You're listening to the Not Too Late Show, the only show where a divorce lawyer tells you the hard truths. Please welcome Sarah Schnarr and divorce attorney James Sexton. Welcome to the Not Too Late podcast. I am Sarah Schnarr, one of your co-hosts, and the other lovely gentleman that I get to speak with is Mr. James Sexton. James, how are you? Uh, you know, I really get characterized as a lovely gentleman, so it's really <laughs> nice when that happens. In my line of work, you know, people aren't like, that's a lovely gentleman. It's a line of work where people sit across from you and they say, you know, like, I heard you're an evil son of a bitch, and they mean it as a compliment. <laughs> so that's nice, well, Sarah. You can call me that anytime you want. Thank you. You're always referred to as the hard-hitting divorce attorney, America's divorce attorney. And it just seems so dramatic because I know you. But you have been everywhere lately. I'm just like saturated with James Sexton. Like, what is going on? I know, I know. It's uh, whatever I can do to impress you, Sarah, I do. No, I, I, it's crazy. (laughs) I'm actually getting... I was in the courthouse uh, today and, and, uh, for, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I, I did an interview for Soft White Underbelly, which is a, uh, a really interesting, uh, uh, YouTube channel and website that I've been a fan of for a long time. And, uh, Mark is a fan of my work and he's enjoyed the stuff that, that we do here, at, uh, uh, you know, um, at LA Mag and, uh, and he likes us. Uh, so he invited me on and it, I ended up doing an over an hour interview with him. It was more of like a soliloquy, uh, which if you haven't figured it out, I'm, I'm not the strong silent type. So <laughs> talking is something I can do. And, uh, the thing blew up. It's had like almost 2 million views on YouTube, apparently three, 4 million wow. views on TikTok. So, Great. um, I'm getting, you know, a inundated by a lot of requests to, to, you know, talk, uh, to, to other people and do other interviews. But also, I'm getting a really interesting cross cross section of like who spends a lot of time on YouTube, and it's people that I did okay. not expect. There's like conservative judges who are like, "Oh, I saw you on the internet," and I'm like, "You, you did you watch Soft White Underbelly?" Because it's a lot of interviews with like pimps and prostitutes, so that's kind of interesting that that was your choice of interviews. But yeah, yeah no, it's been it's been cool, and it's always uh, you know it's always it's always nice to see. Uh, uh, you know, feedback and to, to, to be, uh, in, you know, on people's minds. So I'll, I'll yeah. take it. I love that. And James, I do want to pr- promote your book because I mean, this was at 46 weeks on Amazon number one bestseller list a while ago. This probably is doing even better now that you're it is, up. Yes, it is number one again, actually, this week. I, my publisher, right. uh, Serena Jones from Henry Holt just called me yesterday and said, Hey, you're back on number one again. And I said, Well, I guess people, are buying the book now that there's a buzz again from, from here. Obviously, I think, yeah. you know, the, the people that enjoy our, our time together, Sarah, I think also are, are picking up the book and the audio book. Um, which is always funny to me. I mean, the audio book that anyone could listen to me talk it's for a lot eight of and you. a half hours straight. <laughs> that is eight and a half hours of listening to me talk is a lot for anybody. That's actually like four <laughs> hours more than my ex-wife ever listened to me total through a right. 10 year marriage. So that's pretty good, you know? <laughs> Well, if you're in my office, it's already too late. A Divorce Lawyer's Guide to Staying Together. And it is a great read. I thoroughly enjoyed it and pick up a lot of really good relationship tips. Thanks, right, Sarah. James? Always means and a lot. Speaking Appreciate of, it. Well, thanks. We have a lot of really great questions today. A lot of them actually are involving kids and sort of what's happening with kids in the divorce. So let's right. jump right let's down in. down to business. Our first question comes from Alice. My soon-to-be ex-husband is a spineless little bitch. Our current okay. Well, tell us, yeah, tell us how get, you really get in feel. There. Okay. It's yeah. that he gets the kids on Wednesdays and every other weekend. The court has made it so that I drop off my four and two year old boys to him at a designated grocery store parking lot halfway between where we both live. 
The last few times I dropped off my boys, he had this slutty woman with him. She's gross. I know he's doing it just to piss me off, and I know I can't have the court tell him who he can have in his life, but can the court stop her from being at the drop-off and pickups? Did I mention she's gross and tacky and has zero style? Thanks, Alice. Woo, those were some choice words from a angry partner, it sounds like. Alice is feeling spicy. I, I see that. <laughs> um, well, okay. So, you know, let me give you a couple of, couple of points of view here. One, Alice... We need to take some breaths, Alice. I think yeah. we need to just dial it down a little bit. Um, you got a two-year-old and a four-year-old with this guy. So I get it. I get that there's anger. I get there's frustration. I get that you have some animosity towards the woman in, or women in his life. And I get it that uh, you may have uh, hold him in some uh, low esteem. But uh, that spineless little bitch, you're going to have grandkids with someday oh, and yeah. you're going to sit next to it graduations. And and, uh, you know, statistically, 86 percent of people are remarried within five years of their divorce. So that little slut with no style or taste who he's bringing around that might be sitting at that graduation with you and might even be in pictures at one of your kids weddings, even though they're two and four. Uh, there's a straight line between now and that. So I would say to you, you know, talking to someone uh, or even just sort of taking some some steps back from anger is probably a good thing um mm-hmm. you know obviously talking to us listen you say whatever you want we're 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 not you know we we're 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 pretty uh we're pretty uh, uh we're not fragile people and we can we can take it but obviously when you're around your kids you want to be very careful about the things you say but the core of your question has to do with who's around for the pickups and drop offs mm-hmm. um and it sounds like you have a very structured arrangement and usually that's because people really uh have a high conflict divorce um so you know just the fact that it's at a grocery store parking lot instead of a police station which is where a lot of high conflict exchanges take place in the court system um is probably good because it's a lot more normal to meet in a grocery store or at a McDonald's in the play section or at a Starbucks than it is to meet at the police station where there are cameras. Um, in terms of who comes along to those things, you know, look, I think it's in poor taste that he's bringing someone. Um, there's really no need to do that. Um, you may want to express that to him again mm-hmm. in a more gentle way, something along the lines of, look, I, I think it's better if during our transitions, we keep the number of additional people to a minimum. But, you know, he may also be the kind of person that realizes he needs help, you know, and he may have a new girlfriend and, and whether she's got style or class or whether yeah. she's whatever, you know, at the end of the day, this is someone who might be around your kids. So yeah. um, he might need help and look at it like that, you know, that, that if you care about your kids, which I'm sure you do, um, and he needs some assistance with things like an exchange, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it may not be a bad thing that he has people around. Courts will generally not say that a person's not allowed to be around unless that person's being disruptive, disrespectful, right. you know, giving you dirty looks, cursing at you, things like that. Eventually, your kids are going to be old enough. They're not there yet where you'll do curbside mm-hmm. exchanges and it'll be uh, a lot easier because yeah. you don't need to hand off so much stuff and, you know, all those kinds of things. Well, Alice could play dirty herself and bring, you know, the hot pool boy or her uh, her physical, her, her trainer with her to the next drop. You know, you can. And eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. But listen, get in there if you want to. Sure. Escalate. You know, it does kind of make you wonder, though, if is he ever I mean, let's say he brought somebody who was classy and sophisticated and was not a tacky dresser and all the things makes you wonder, like, would she still be upset with is it is it really her or who he's bringing in particular? You know, she might be upset. Well, and what she stands for. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah. good riddance to bad this rubbish. One. You know, he, he's he's <laughs> gone. He's gone downhill and, and downgraded since you, it sounds like. And, you know, that's par for the course for a spineless little bitch, as you described oh, him. Um, if, yeah. if he pulled up with a gorgeous, uh, you know, model uh, who had incredible taste and style and, and he pulled up in her Porsche. Um, right. I don't and know that that would leave me upset. feeling great. Yeah. That would, that would, I would be more upset. I would be a lot more upset. You know, if, if, <laughs> if, if my ex was running around with somebody with like an eight pack and more money than me, I would be like, all right, that's not great. <laughs> well, let's move on to our next question. And this one is not, this one's unrelated to kids. This one comes from Raul. Hey, James, I was broke as a joke when I met my wife. She came for money. So she was able to help me out financially for years. I am an incredibly hard worker and recently things at my company have been going very well. It looks like in the next month or two, I'm going to be making huge commissions. Is it shitty for me to ask my wife to sign a post-snap? I'm just trying to protect what I worked so hard for, and she will always be okay because her parents are loaded. Thanks, Raul. James, I don't even know what a post-nup is. Is that even a thing yeah. for you? Great okay. question. A post-nup yeah. is like the prenup you should have had but didn't have. A post-nup, ah. a prenup is nup, right? Is nuptials, which is when you get married. A prenup yeah. is before the nuptials. A post-nup is after the nuptials. So uh-huh. um, the first thing I'll say to you, unfortunately, my friend, whether it's shitty or not, I can't tell you. I'm nobody's moral compass. I'm a divorce lawyer. I'm not here to be anyone's conscience. Um, you, you might want to ask that of somebody else in terms of whether it's shitty or not. Um, um, personally, I, I don't think it's shitty. I, I think mm-hmm. that two adults, you know, in a relationship should be able to discuss things like finances and what do we yeah. owe each other in the event we split up. But not everybody shares that point of view. Um, so I can't tell you if it's shitty or not. It's it's as shitty as I would probably look at things, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm not shitty. So I don't know. Um, what I would say is from a legal standpoint, which is probably what you're asking, is um, prenups are binding. Prenups are enforceable. Postnups, there's a question mark on that. Um, when mm-hmm. I started as a divorce lawyer 20 plus years ago, we did a lot of postnups where people had a fragile marriage. Someone got caught cheating. People were having difficulties in the marriage and they decided, you know, we're not going to split up, but we want to put in paper if we split up what it's going to look like. And so we would say, you know, mindful of the fact that the parties are at a fragile place in their marriage, here's what they're going to do if they Mm -hmm. split up. And that was what we called a post nup. Mm -hmm. Um, A a number of court cases have come down in a variety of jurisdictions that say that post nups are not legally enforceable because without getting too legal geekish, um, they fail for what's called want of consideration, meaning that you're not getting or giving anything in exchange for it. So just to put it simple, contracts require what's called consideration, meaning that Mm -hmm. both sides give or get something, right? Both sides Mm -hmm. give and get. So contract to buy a car, I'm going to give you money, you're going to give me a car, right? So we both got something, we both gave something. So that's consideration. And a contract fails if there's no consideration. If I just say, I'm going to give you a car because I like you, that's not a binding enforceable contract because there's no consideration. You're not giving me anything back in exchange for that car other than your appreciation. So prenups, the consideration, okay, the thing you're giving is we don't have to get married, but if we're going to get married, I'll marry you if you agree to these financial terms. Problem with a postnup is you're already married. So what you're saying mm-hmm. is I'll stay married to you, which continuing to do a thing you've already agreed to do is not really considered consideration in the eyes of the law in many jurisdictions. So what I would say to you is whether it's shitty or not, be careful about 
thinking you could do a post-nup. What you might mm-hmm. want to do instead is have a, you know, a conversation with your spouse who it doesn't sound like you're in a bad place with and say, look, you know, you've got this security. You've got your parents. You're going to inherit money. She knows that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that safety net. I don't have that security blanket. And I'm worried that if anything ever happens where we split up, that you're going to have more than I will. Um, and see what the two of you can come up with together. Um, and see if there's ways that you can, within the context of your marriage, you can address those kinds of issues, mm-hmm. whether it's we're going to put certain money once she inherits it into a joint account, or we're going to have her buy in or buy out of some part of your business. Right. There's lots of ways to do it that won't run afoul and that don't necessarily involve a post Got it. Do you see that in your line of work that that's a source of contention? Maybe the husband isn't making as much money or doesn't come from family money. And so there's not that um, balanced divide. Yeah, yeah. The inheritance thing comes up a lot where where Mm -hmm. one person comes from very little and is often a worker, right? And makes is making money in the present day. And the other person isn't an earner, but knows that someday they're going to get a big chunk of money. And, you know, when someone knows, like, I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of a divorce and someone says to me, what does she want? I mean, when her parents die, she's going to get $20 million or, you know, what does he want? Why does he need my money? You know, why does he need half the house? When his, when his mother dies, he's going to get X number of dollars. Yeah. Problem is, you know, unless that person's already dead and the estate is already in probate and you're just waiting for the check, that's what we call a contingent interest. So a lot can happen. You know, a lot can happen where, uh, uh, you know, you don't know your parents' finances in terms of how they invest and whether they lose that money beforehand or whether they meet somebody else that they want to give the money to or they give it to a sibling or they donate it to a charity. So you can't, the court in the divorce can't make decisions about it's possible that you might inherit money from your parents. Well, it's possible you might hit the lottery too, you know? So mm-hmm. the courts don't sure. do that. They look at facts. They look at reality, not, you know, speculation of that kind. Mm-hmm. Good point. I also, you know, when you're, when a, your partner's feeling like he or she is providing, especially in, you know, in, in the situation with the male who's providing and I just, it might might change the relationship, might be a tough conversation to have. But if he feels really good that he's contributing, I think he might bring that kind of peace, that support, that comfort into the relationship and maybe just, you hope, be a better partner in the long run, you know? Yeah, I, I found in, in um, marriage situations and divorce situations, particularly where a man loses his job mm-hmm. or where his spouse who used to earn similar to him now is out earning him. This is a male female thing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is hard. It is, it is like women very often sort of lose respect for the man and, mm-hmm. and the fact that he's not a provider, not an earner. And again, you know, I, I don't know that that's one of those gender roles that we shouldn't be considering or reconsidering. Um, but the truth is that, that that's still out there. There's still a sense, yeah. at least even for men of, Hey, I should be a provider. I should be able to provide for my family. And when people lose jobs through no fault of their own, through cuts and through changes in the economy, mm-hmm. uh, it's very hard for men. I, I, you see increases in substance abuse. You see increases in reckless behavior like gambling. Um, and, and then it really creates the stuff that lands people in my office. So yeah, yeah I mean, that's, it's hard. It's hard to have those conversations, but it's really yeah. important. I think for people yep. to have conversations yep. about what they expect of each other Absolutely. from an earnings and providing standpoint. Yep. Well, thank you for your question, Raul. 
Yes, Moving good on. luck. This one is back to kids. Another question regarding kids. Hi, James. I'm devastated. I haven't been happy in my marriage in years. I want to ask my husband for a divorce, but we have two preteen daughters. The issue is they are his biological children. I did adopt them, but my fear is that the court will give him custody of his girls. He loves his daughters, but so do I. And these girls are at an age that they need a woman role model in their life. So, James, am I forced to stay in an unhappy marriage to be with these girls, or could the court see me as a legitimate legitimate parent? That's a tough one. Legitimate parent. Thanks, Tabitha. Well, Tabitha, good news. You are a legitimate parent. Um, You're an adoptive parent, and an adoptive parent and a biological parent have the exact same rights. So um, that is something you do not have to be afraid of by a function of the fact that you adopted um, those girls. And so you have as much of a relation to them as if they came out of your body. So you don't have to be concerned about that. But, you know, because it, it does beg the question, what if you hadn't adopted them? Okay. If you Mm -hmm. hadn't adopted them, but you had had a parent like relationship with them for many, many years. Um, and the good news there is that the law has changed and evolved in recent years to acknowledge that biology and, and blood relation to a child is not the thing that should be dispositive of these Mm -hmm. issues. And this is one of those things I got to see change in my career. I, I represented a woman gotta be about 15 years ago who was in a lesbian couple and they had two children and one, uh, her, my client's partner, um, was the biological mother. They had a sperm donor, an anonymous Mm -hmm. sperm donor. She gave birth to these children, but they were both the mothers to these, you know, to these two children. And when the kids were seven and nine years old, the couple split up and Mm -hmm. the biological parent, um, said, i not letting you see these kids anymore. And my client said, what do you mean? I'm their mom, the same as you. I've been here since day one. We, what are you talking about? Um, and at the time the trial court handed down a decision that said, yes, this person is a legal stranger. That was the term to this child. And, and that actually quoted Bob Dylan lyric in it and said, the times they are a changing But the current state of the law is that this person does not have legal standing to seek Mm -hmm. visitation, custody, or access with these two children. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, that case went up to the appellate division and then the court of appeals, and a decision was handed down some time later, many months later, that said um, that, yeah, it doesn't matter. This person has had a a parent-like relationship. They are an important person in the children's lives, and therefore they have standing to request custody, mm-hmm. um, even non-biological parents, other relatives. Now, there, every jurisdiction has some version of this, and you have to show either extraordinary circumstances or some parent-like relationship. But ultimately, the best interest of children is the legal standard that controls on these kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the law has evolved and changed to understand that it's not like, you know, it's not 1950 anymore, where it's like, we got a mom, we got a dad, the two of them sleep together, and they have a baby. And then that families right. come in all shapes and sizes. Families come in all different formats. There's single parents, there's sperm donors, there's non-anonymous sperm donors, there's adopted parents that remain involved in the life of children. There's so many permutations of this and the facts of every family are very unique and Mm -hmm. the court system now really looks at it that way. So Mm -hmm. that's the good news. So, but, but for this particular question, you're an adoptive parent, adoptive parent, biological parent, exact same yeah. legal rights, no distinction, no difference whatsoever. All four of my nieces are adopted from Vietnam. 
Um, and uh, they oh, are wow. my family wow. as much as they would be my own children would yeah. be my family. Um, they are my, my, my sister's daughters, uh, the same way my sons are my sons. Um, so, oh, so, you know, uh, whether you were expected or whether you were selected, um, we were very fortunate that you have these children in your life. And I agree with you that, uh, you know, without even meeting you, that, you know, you two preteen girls, you know, they, they need a mother, they need a father, they need people in their life who love them. They, they, they need adults in their life who are looking out for them and care about them. And, and I certainly hope that your co-parent, if you and he divorce and, and split up, um, that he will acknowledge that even if he has mm-hmm. issues with you, that most people love their children more than they dislike their ex. So hopefully mm-hmm. you guys will be in that same place. Is there anything though specifically she can do to prepare? I mean, is there like things she you know, should be doing or collecting or showing or taking notes or keeping a log to prepare for? A great question. Yeah, I think, you know, information is ammunition. So I think mm-hmm. always paying attention to, you know, what tasks you do for the girls and what time you spend with them and what his yeah. situation is. I always tell people custody cases, there's there's two cases happening at the same time, what I call a positive case and a negative case. A positive case is what are you doing right as a parent? The negative case is what's the other person doing wrong as a parent? And, and mm-hmm. usually people focus on one or the other way too much. So they either come yeah. in and explain to me how shitty of a parent their, their co-parent is, which is helpful from a, you know, I want to use that as an advocate, but also you're, that doesn't mean you're not just as bad, if not worse. So mm-hmm. I always tell clients, I have to show why they're the wrong parent and why you're the right parent. Yeah. And they have to show why they're the right parent oh, and you're the so wrong cool. parent. So. It's a chess match. You know, my positive case goes against their negative case. My negative case goes against their positive case and vice versa. So I always tell clients, just just be mindful, just document Mm -hmm. things, be mindful of your own strengths and weaknesses and take a close look at and try to document your partner's strengths and weaknesses. Nice. Thank you, James. And thanks for your question, Tabitha. I wish you the best with your situation and those, those great girls you got. And I think that's all the time we have, James, and I'm sure I'm going to see you saturating my inbox and all of our TikTok and Instagram. Apparently, if you go on TikTok, I'm like jumping up. I don't have one. I don't have a TikTok, but I got to tell you, apparently I'm all over the damn You're everywhere. You're a big deal. Well, thanks for your time, always. Thanks for your questions, you guys, and we'll see you back. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Great. See you soon. If you have any relationship or divorce questions and want to hear from attorney James Sexton, be sure to email podcasts at lamag.com. 